It is the book of the prophets, the first one, the book of Isaiah. And he claims that God's people have left the care of God. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hember. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We enter into a new phase of God's word. We're into the prophetic books. This is interesting. Let me tell you, we're going to talk about Isaiah chapter one in a minute. It's going to be very good. But Corey is here with Ryan. Corey? Well, we can't start the Old Testament book of Isaiah without taking a look at a very famous artifact that has recently been found that may have connections to Isaiah. So stick around in the, in, in the show and we'll talk about it later, right? Well, as we begin the book of Isaiah today, I thought it would be helpful to do a bit of a biography on this very faithful prophet of God. Very good. Excellent. Janice? Today, white as snow. All right. So take your Bible out. Let's turn to Isaiah and let's understand what God is saying to us. We're going to read it for you right now. Isaiah 1, verses 1 through 11. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. For the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know, my people do not consider. Alas, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away backward. Why should you be stricken again? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick, and the whole heart faints. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed or bound up or soothed with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Strangers devour your land in your presence, and it is desolate, as overthrown by strangers. So the daughter of Zion is left as a booth in a vineyard, as a hut in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. Unless the Lord of hosts had left to us a very small remnant, we would have become like Sodom we would have been made like Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings of ram and the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or goats. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. We are in the book of Isaiah, the first prophetic book. Isaiah 1, 
Isaiah 2 and Isaiah 3. Today we're going to focus on chapter 1. As I said, Isaiah is the first major prophetic book. Isaiah lived about 740 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. And he ministered as a royal prophet under the kings Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Now, Jewish tradition tells us that Isaiah was chased down by King Manasseh and his body was cut while hiding in a wall, in fact, cut in two. However, the Bible does not tell us about the end of Isaiah's life. Isaiah is the most quoted prophetic book in the New Testament. In fact, Isaiah contains about 66 chapters and he ministered for nearly 60 years. Incredible. His life's work is displayed for us, and we will read it over the next few weeks. Isaiah begins his book with these words. Listen carefully. He says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. Isaiah 1, verse 2. The prophet was clearly projecting a message from God that all of us should hear. And as we begin the book of Isaiah, get your Bible guide out. Turn to today's passage. It's important. If you don't have a Bible guide, you can write or call for your Bible guide. Another way you can do it is go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And when you go there, click on it. It will take you to a donate page. Thank you for your donations. And then it'll take you to a PDF page where you can download it as we have it printed. So it's very, very interesting. And you're seconds away. I love Isaiah. I love it because it's the first prophetic book. Father, I pray today, as we open up these pages and we look at the wonderful book of Isaiah, your words, Lord, and these are words that Jesus Christ read as well uh, to the public to, in the synagogue, Isaiah 60. Father, I pray today that you would help us to understand exactly what they mean. And I ask that we would hear what you have said and apply it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. And amen. Now, let's listen to the first chapter of this book because it's great. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens. And give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. Now the ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not consider. Fascinating. God reveals that his people have left his care like ungrateful children. There are many who, have, who may leave the faith. We must encourage them to return to the Lord. Let me just explain. I knew people growing up, and I know people now, who have, it seems to me, left the faith. But I encourage you today on television, on internet, on radio, whatever you're listening to me on, whatever you're viewing me on, I encourage you. Come back to God. Give your life to the Lord. Live for him because that's what we need today. We need people living for the Lord. 
Beloved, that's what's going to change the world. That's what's going to happen. And as we do that, God will show himself through us. Now, it's very important to remember that. Let's go on to verse 4, because Isaiah chapter 1, verse 4 says something very interesting. He says, Alas, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away backward. When people turn away from God, they veer towards evil. That's a problem. We must come back and never fall away. Today is the day of salvation. Today is our day when we say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Because this is the day. Beloved, we need to hear God. And we need to say, Lord, I, I, I need to turn to find you. Father, I pray for people watching right now that they would turn away from evil, turn away from sin and get serious with you. Because you're coming back soon. And help us, oh Father, to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's look at the last passage here. It's 5 to 11 of chapter 1. He says, why should you be stricken again? You will revolt more and more. And the whole head is sick and the whole heart faints. And from the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises, and putrefying sores. They have not been close or bound up or soothed with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Strangers devour your land in your presence, and it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. So the daughter of Zion is left as a booth in a vineyard as a hut in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city, unless the Lord of hosts had left us or left to us a very small remnant, we would have become just like Sodom. We would have been made like Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offerings, of rams, and of the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or the lamb or goats. Boy, God tells the truth, doesn't he? He says that a small remnant who served the Lord still remains. We are a people who must serve Jesus Christ now and forever. Beloved, we must serve. And I want to encourage you today, if you're watching, I'm talking to you on the internet. I'm talking to you on television. I'm talking to you watching on our website. I'm talking to you listening on the radio. Listen to me. We need to be serious about God. It is time to make our lives in step with the power of the Holy Spirit. Because that's the only thing that's going to change our world for the better, beloved. God is the only one that's going to do it. So we need to get our lives in step with the Holy Spirit and do what he says every day of our lives. Father, I pray today that you would touch people to hear what we're saying, what you're saying. 
in your word. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that we would do it, that we would get serious with you. Thank you, Father. Because as we do that, and as your Holy Spirit gets serious with us, then things change around us in our family, in our friendships, in our businesses, in our times of, at the park, in the playtimes. They change. And Father, we want to bring you into this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. Today, you and I are going to be taking a look at the potential seal of Isaiah the prophet. Now, I say potential because this really hit the media a few years ago, I think four or five years ago, and everyone was saying, it's the prophet Isaiah's seal. And of course, it's always too good to be true when you hear things like that. I mean, not always, but often it is too good to be true. But nevertheless, this seal is a very intriguing artifact. Take a look. Recently, a clay bulla has been found, which may be the signature of the biblical prophet Isaiah. A bulla is an impression from a signet seal on a small lump of clay. Bullae were commonly used in the biblical world to seal documents or parcels, and could even be given a loan as a type of receipt. These bullae are quite small, often measuring around half an inch in diameter. The seal of Isaiah is no exception, measuring in at 0.4 inches in diameter and divided into three horizontal registers. It's tiny, but packs a potentially biblical punch. It was found in an excavation in Jerusalem's Ophel area, the area that ascends from the city of David to the Temple Mount. Near to a building identified as a royal bakery that met its end during the Babylonian destruction, excavations took place that saw all the remaining dirt from the dig wet sifted. Water was used to push the dirt through fine sieves, and as a result, 34 tiny bullae were identified. One was familiar to archaeologists already. It belonged to Hezekiah, the king of Judah. This, along with the discovery of several specially marked storage jar handles that are known to have dated from Hezekiah's reign, helped secure a date for the other bullae. The Isaiah bulla is damaged on its left and upper sides. What's remaining of the upper register looks to be a grazing doe. This symbol is known from other signet seals dating from the same time and found in Judah and Jerusalem, so it's believed to have been a popular motif that symbolized protection and blessing. The middle register is damaged but clearly identifies the owner. It reads, belonging to Isaiah. The lower register is also damaged, but the preserved word either reads prophet or is another personal name. Due to the damage, a conclusive answer can't be given. It must remain speculative until another bulla from the same seal is discovered that fills in the blank. For now, archaeologists and laypeople alike have been thrilled by this small lump of clay that may have come in contact with both Isaiah and Hezekiah.
So again, really interesting. It has potential, uh, a potential direct link to Isaiah. It's found in the right place. It's found in about the right time period. So really interesting. Um, you know, if it does another museum tour and you ever have a chance to see it, I would highly recommend it because I just think it's really interesting, this potential connection to uh, one of the prophets of the Bible that we actually know quite a bit about and we get to see a lot of his writing. So. Yeah, it's very interesting. And actually you can see, uh, Items that, or you can see the results of when Isaiah was the prophet. You, you know, you begin to understand and see these things, and you're like, "Wow, Hezekiah's tunnel." Well, and yeah, he you goes see all through. This, this, this happened yeah. during the time of Isaiah. Isaiah lives through a very well documented. Uh, time period, a, a historical period in Israel's history, which of course is this this assault of Judah by the Neo-Assyrian Empire. It's really well documented in the Bible, but also in the ancient world and in the archeological record. So it's just really, it's it's cool and very fitting that we have a potential seal. It is, and by the way, let me just mention that Corey has one of your favorite articles. I like it. It's, it comes from one of your pieces, Hygiene in Ancient Israel. <laughs> you like that I one, huh? I love that one. It's I fun mean, to look at daily, daily lives of people. Well, yeah, because everybody's talking about hygiene and washing your hands and all that. Well, th this is hygiene of the ancient time, <laughs> thousands of years ago. So listen, uh, you can read that at BibleDiscoveryTV.com. It's uh, in the read section and it's called Hygiene in Ancient Israel. You can't miss it because there's two hands with water and all that. And it's your piece. You can also it watch is. the piece, but you can read it and study it. Very good. I encourage you to do that. BibleDiscoveryTV.com, right? All right. Well, today we begin the very eloquently written book of Isaiah. And I thought it would be helpful to do sort of a biography piece on this prophet. Now, some of us call him Isaiah and others, other of us call him Isaiah, but those pronunciations are actually both wrong. His name in the Hebrew is Yeshayahu, and it means God is salvation. Now, it is true that we first met this prophet back in 2 Kings 19, but here we are now in the book which more fully documents his oracles from God. And his book is very, very significant because he wrote like he knew Jesus as well as any disciple ever would. And that's why some scholars have nicknamed this book the fifth gospel. Check it out. Although technically a prophet of Judah, Isaiah was really an international messenger as he spoke God's judgment on entire peoples across the vast region. His name means Yahweh is salvation and was first called by God to be a prophet in the year that King Uzziah died. In fact, his 40-year career spanned the reign of four kings, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Isaiah's call commenced with a dramatic vision in which the Lord revealed to him the grueling nature of his mission. Though God really put him to task, Isaiah was steadfastly obedient to God, even to the point of prophesying naked for three years. However, his prophecies were not all doom and gloom and judgment. He is a good news prophet with a message of hope and salvation who foretells a glorious messianic age when God's kingdom will rule upon the earth. This didn't go unnoticed. Isaiah contains so many messianic prophecies that his book has been nicknamed the fifth gospel. In fact, New Testament writers quote Isaiah about 50 times, more than any other book. He's also been called the Evangelical Prophet, because although the book was inked 700 years before Jesus was born, he wrote like he knew Jesus as well as any disciple ever would. While we know much about Isaiah's career, the prophet says little of himself. We do know that he was the son of Imaz, was married to a prophetess, and that they had at least two sons. 
His eloquence of speech and easy access to the kings may also suggest that he was an educated noble. In fact, Jewish tradition even claims Isaiah was a member of the royal family, first cousin to King Uzziah. Although the Bible does not reveal how he died, the pseudepigraphal Jewish text called the Martyrdom and Ascension of Isaiah claims that he was arrested and sawed in half by Manasseh. Apparently, absorbed in a vision, Isaiah's eyes stayed open and he didn't cry out in pain, but his lips moved as though he was talking with God. So as I mentioned in the report, while the Bible doesn't tell us how Isaiah died, another non-biblical book called The Martyrdom and Ascension of Isaiah claims that he was arrested during the reign of Hezekiah's son Manasseh, the most notorious king of Judah. Isaiah was charged with falsely predicting the destruction of Judah, and he was ordered to repeat these words, quote, everything I said has been lies and Manasseh is good. Now, of course, Isaiah refused, and an executioner used a wooden saw to cut him in two. Now, interestingly, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 37 might refer to this merciless execution as the writer, speaking of the Old Testament heroes, says, quote, some were sawed in half. Now, if it was indeed Manasseh that murdered Isaiah, then it does add a layer of irony to the story because the Bible informs us that this wicked king eventually repented himself and came to saving faith. So Isaiah's godly witness may very well have played a role in this. And you and I should remember that. Our faithful living for the Lord is more important than we think. First of all, it pleases the Lord. But second, non-believers are watching us. So we need to be faithful witnesses for the Lord, not just in word, but also in deed. That's one of the hardest things for me, looking at Manasseh, I call him, but Manasseh, because he just is, he just is awful. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of his time, he repents. And yeah. it's like, what a let, be like Jonah. He's the what a letdown, you know? He's yes. the straight of us all. He's the every him. man, man. Yep. And God doesn't, God is merciful. And that's why I think his story's in there, right? His account is in there to let people know, like we've often said, you've never gone too far, you've never done too much, exactly. right? So I and think did, it's cool. Did I Isaiah, was Isaiah turned, I mean, did, did he make it wrong for Isaiah then? Did Isaiah not get it? Well, then you ask the question, well, then did Isaiah forgive? Mm. And you're like, I hate when that happens, you know? And, <laughs> But, but anyway, you don't really. You I don't, don't really. but you know how That's it is. That's the amazing grace of God, though, isn't it? And and this here in Isaiah chapter 1, you're looking at the wickedness of Judah, and God's people had gone so far away from him, and he's and he's calling them. He's he's telling them to come back. And we see here, he says, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now, God says to them, and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. This was before. This is God just calling for his people to come back and repent. And on this side of the cross, God provided his son, Jesus Christ, who died and shed his crimson blood on the cross, that when we are covered in that red crimson, our sins, that though they are red as scarlet, can become white as snow. That can happen through Jesus Christ. That can come through our coming back and saying, I repent, God. 
I've done all of these things and I recognize that I can't be with a holy God and live that way. I can't willfully live that way. Please help me, forgive me, come into my heart. I believe that you came and you died on the cross and you rose again and that gave me the gift of eternal life. Thank you, God. And I want you to be a part of my life. I want to serve you. Help me to do that. Help me to serve you all the days of my life. And then you get into his word and you get that word into your heart. And then you begin to apply that word and spend time with God. And he will help you. He will heal you. He will cleanse you. All of these things, all of these things that God calls you to. Today is your day. Maybe you've you came to God once, but you've, you've strayed away. You used to go to Sunday school when you were little and your mom and dad or somebody took you to church and you heard the stories and you, you might have even committed your life to the Lord. But since then, you've turned away. Things have happened and you've turned away. And now you're thinking, I've gone too far. I can't come back. God is beckoning you today. He is saying, come home, my child, come home. Some of you that are watching have never accepted. This might be the first time you've ever heard anybody talk about God in this way, that God is saying, come to me, I will forgive you. You might be that one person today. Respond to God. If you feel that drawing in your heart, come to him today. He will come in and he will help you. He will change. You haven't gone too far. Come home. Come back home. Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. First John 5, 11, 12, and 13. Ryan learned this set of verses in grade two, and our family still can say it together. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. John says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. need to pray. And as we pray at the end of the program, let's pray this way. Lord, I give my life back to you. I want to live for you from this time forward forevermore. Father, help me today to put my life, my thinking all about me in the presence and power of your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we all said together, 